Welcome to the Preserving Family podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Well, we are so grateful to be here today with Natalyn Lewis. And Natalyn, thank you for coming Absolutely. Over. So grateful you would take the time. I Here's a couple of things I know about Natalyn. I know she's a mother. She has four children, uh, all boys. No, all girls except for three, right? Um, I know that she's an incredible, not only soccer player, but coach, played at BYU, coached for a long time here in, here in Utah. The way that I know Natalyn is that she has come and she has spoken in our stake a couple of times, and she is an outstanding teacher and speaker. So, Natalyn, what else? Tell us some other things about yourself that people don't know. Oh, things <laughs> people don't know. Well, I appreciate the introduction, first of all. Uh, things people don't know. I love to play pickleball. Wow, good. So that is my sport of choice right now. I also still play soccer a couple couple times a week. I call it old lady soccer now, yeah. you know, because... People say, how long ago did you play at BYU? And I say, long enough that I am no longer a has-been. I'm a once-was, right? So it's been that long. It's been that long, yeah. But I still enjoy playing. I like to play pickleball. Um, I love my family. I love coaching. And um, professionally, I'm an emotional performance coach, which most people don't know Yeah, what that even is. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to learn a little bit about that today. We're going to learn a little bit about it, yeah. Oh, that's so great. Well, once again, so grateful you would take the time. I have some kind of random questions for you today. I think I don't think we're going to flow. I think we're going to hit uh, some key areas and just kind of go in and out of them. And and uh, I'm excited about some of these things I want to talk to you about. Um, a few years ago, I started to do a little bit a little bit of research on the impact that sports has on young men and young young women. And one of the statistics I saw was like 98 percent of corporate executives in our country played a high school sport. And uh, we know that sports have a lot to, they correlate or at least associate with leadership, all kinds of incredible traits that equip young people, you know, for life. Just tell us as an athlete growing up and then in college as well, just maybe a few key lessons uh, that you learned from sports. Well, I think sports have a tremendous ability to teach us that we can do hard things and it's okay. Yeah. Right now, we live in a world where when hard popped up, like COVID, for example, we were taught what? Freeze. Don't do anything. Stay in place. Don't talk to people. Don't try to fix it. Just don't do anything. And make it go away or let somebody else solve the problem. And what sports teaches so valuably is that when it's hard, push through it a little bit. It's going to hurt. Yeah. And it's going to be okay. It's going to cause a little bit of pain. There's going to be times where you genuinely feel like you cannot take another step and somehow you do. Yeah. And those life lessons, I think, are the ones that are the critical ones because they translate into your now trying to get a degree or an education. And it's that last push. It's that last final. And you can't keep your eyes open any longer and you're tired and you're, you are burned out and your brain hurts and you can do just a little bit more. And it's hard, and it hurts, and you can. Right. And you're in a marriage. And your spousal relationship, for whatever reason, in that moment in time is hard. And it hurts. And it's going to take a lot of effort. And it might be that big last final push. 
and you can. Right. And you're that young mom when you wake up in the morning and you haven't slept all night because for whatever reason, that child needed to sleep 14 times in the night (laughs) and need three changes of diapers and nothing was working. And you wake up in the morning and life is hard and it hurts and you can. Right. And I think that's one of the most valuable lessons sports taught me. Right. Is I can do hard things and it's okay. Thank you so much. What about this? And this is one of the things I've appreciated from watching my own children and their participation, but the sense of team, the sense of community, and the closeness and connection. This is something that we've lost in our country in the last couple of years, is this this sense of connection with each other. I've always loved what sports teaches us about, about connection and relationship. I watched my own uh, son, who not only played at BYU, but in high school, those are those are his friends today, you know, 20 and 30 years later, that's who he connects with. And I know that you have a close connection with those players that you played with years ago, right? You, I mean, that, how many years ago was it? A long time ago. Yeah. No, I graduated yeah. from BYU in 2000. Because I know that you all went. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about that little trip where you guys all went to the, the championships NCAA last year, right, as, a, oh, yeah. as your team. Supporting the team of last year, right? Well, I still have multiple teammates that we get together and have lunch yeah, or go see each other. Or when once a year when alumni time comes, getting together for dinner. And it's a fascination because we will not see each other for a year and in some cases not talk to each other for a year or in some cases haven't seen them for 10 or 15 years. And the conversation picks up right where it left off. Their personality is the same. The way they talk is the same. And there's just joy that comes from it. And that bond that comes from being a part of a team comes because you're people that are working towards a common goal and you're both experiencing the same emotional turbulence, physical turbulence, that you're dealing with the elements. You go out in a game where you're expected to win and you all feel the same pressure at the same time in the same moment. Or you go out and you know you have to perform in a certain way and you're all feeling this need to perform. Right. And there's something about dealing with that same kind of an emotional pressure while you're also feeling the physical stretch, while you're also feeling the pressure socially, and you're all wearing the jersey, and you're all replicating the brand, and you've all got the Y <laughs> on your chest, and you all represent not just soccer and not just a BYU, but now you represent the church, right. and everybody feels the same pressure. There's something about that that cannot be developed in almost any other way. Maybe a family is the only other space you could develop that kind of a bond. Yeah. But even then, even inside of families, people are so unique and doing so many unique things. Where else are is everybody trying to do the same thing with the same common goal, same common purpose, same kind of mission, same kind of pressure, with the same necessary skills? It just doesn't happen very often outside of sports. Yeah, that's such a great lesson. Such a great, good, great memories, right? I, I remember when my son played his last high school game, and in Texas, the way they do it is seventh grade is, you know, that, I mean, that's that's where you start, you know, in terms of playing for the school. So these kids have been together for, for you know, six years at this point. They're by their senior year in terms of playing together, and that last game they lost, and. Not one kid came off the field for a couple hours. They just all they did is hugged and cried because they knew that it was over, you know, and, and that most would never ever play again. And I remember gathering our we have seven daughters and one son, and I gathered my daughters together just in that stadium and just wanted them to watch what was happening. This was like an hour after the game. They're still out there. They won't come out, come off the field. 
And I said, make sure your sons do something like this. I don't know if it's going to be a sport. I hope it. I hope it's something like that. But make sure they do something like this because this is the only place where stuff like this happens. You know, it's really cool, isn't it? I listened to a podcast myself where you were the guest a few a little while ago. I love the story that you told about your dad. He seems like the kind of dad that taught his kids to have grit. Absolutely. He was not afraid of hard things. Yeah. And he learned that lesson as an athlete as well. So he was a tri-sport athlete. He ran track, played football, and played basketball. And he was only 5'6". Wow. So you can imagine as a 5'6", you know. You had to be scrappy. Buck 45, and you're playing football and basketball. You've got to be fast and quick. And his mentality was, you just work a little bit harder than everybody else. Right. And you can compensate for that difference in height. And he used to tell me all the time, there is nothing you can't accomplish your height, because I'm really short. And I was a basketball player as well. Yeah. And he used to tell me all the time, there's nothing that your height can't, can't help you overcome. But I was in I was in the state championship game playing in this game, and we, we senior had gotten year to senior year yeah. state championship game. We had gotten to this game, and at that time I was the leading scorer on the team. I was the team captain. I was feeling that pressure to perform and the excitement. You're gonna have to score a few goals in I this game to win, right? I got to score a few goals. I'm excited. It's my last game. It's my big moment. And the whistle blows, and we go out right off the kickoff, first ball off, right down the right-hand side. I'm flying. I'm heading down to get this ball. Defender tries to come up behind me, and she slide tackles me from behind, and I go down. And I go forward, and I reach my arms out to catch myself, and she jumps over the top of me, and her cleat lands right on my right knuckle, and you could just hear it. You could actually hear the sound as she just crushed my knuckle. Right. And I'm on my knees, holding onto my fingers, and I just... I mean, unbelievable amounts of pain. And I look up, and she had only gotten about five yards in front of me. She went to clear the ball. That ball went straight into my <laughs> nose and just, bam, broke my nose. And yeah. I've got tears and blood, blood. and it, all the things. <laughs> and they take me off the field, and I'm standing there. And I, I'm i sitting on the ground just feeling so broken. Yeah. And everything hurts, and I can feel my heartbeat just in my nose. Just <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I can't see, I can't hear, I can't breathe. Oh and I gosh. look out of my like tear-filled eyes and I see my dad walking across the field. And my dad was not the kind of guy that says a lot. Yeah. And his body language says it all. Right. He's not angry. He's not upset. And he's clearly not concerned. Yeah. <laughs> right? And he's, <laughs> he's walking across the field. And I just remember him walking there with his hands in his pocket. And he comes over and he says, let me see. Let me see your fingers. Yeah. And I hold him out there and he just takes some athletic tape and he starts wrapping things around and making shapes and figures and steps back to survey his work and says, yeah, that ought to, that ought to That'll do. do it. That'll do. Yeah. And I was thinking, what are we talking about right now? And he <laughs> looks me right in the eyes and he puts one finger on one side of my nose and one finger on the other. And just, he says, this is going to hurt a little bit. And he popped that little oh my bone gosh. into place. And I thought I was going to pass out. My, <laughs> my tears are just streaming down my face and he's applying, you know, white tape on my nose. Like he's just the professor, you know, an artist <laughs> at work. And he steps back to survey his work. Right. And he's yeah. like, well, that ought to hold. I was like, ought to hold what? You're, you're good to go. He goes, yeah. yeah, you're good to go. I'm like, good to go where? Like I'm thinking to myself, put me out on that field's child abuse. Yeah. And he says, no, no, you look, he goes, play. Your, your, your nose isn't going to break anymore. It's broken. Your finger isn't going to break anymore. It's broken. You can play. And he didn't wow. say anything else. And I, I remember thinking, I don't even think my dad loves me. My dad doesn't love me sticking me out on that <laughs> field like that, right? So I go out on the field. 
I'm not happy. I'm not invested. Yeah. I'm not trying. All I can think about is my nose and my finger go out on that field and same girl, same girl just kind of hits me from the side when I went to touch a ball. I fell over and I'm just on the ground crying. Yeah. And I come off the field because the only thing I can think about is all the pain. And I'm feeling right. super sorry for myself. Like here I am. It's my senior year. This is my big shot. And I've been all beaten up and somebody's taken it from me. And I'm just looking at the whole situation. The only lens I can see this thing through is all my problems. I'm hurt. Mm. I'm ang I'm I'm angry. I'm I'm in pain. My dad doesn't like my me. My dad anymore. doesn't love me. <laughs> They've stolen my opportunity, right? And I come off the field and I look over and here he comes. And yeah. he's walking across same way he looked before. Yeah. Hands in his pockets. <laughs> and I said, Dad, don't say anything. I tried out there. And he said, You tried? He yeah. said, that wasn't trying. And I said, I can't believe you expect this of me. And he looked right at me and said, I can't believe you don't expect this of yourself. Yeah, wow. And I just sat there. It was like, it was like getting hit with a hammer. <laughs> and I sat there thinking, in the last five minutes of time, I haven't thought one thing about the expectations of this game. The only thing I thought of was the pain I was in, my broken nose, my broken finger, and my sorry little self. Yeah. And woe is me. I hadn't one time stopped to think until my dad reminded me, you're the team captain. You're a senior. You're a leader on this team. And this team doesn't win this game unless you get out there and score goals. So I can't believe you don't expect it of yourself. That's what that said to what, me. What that one message. statement yeah. said that to me. And all of a sudden, it wasn't about me anymore. It was about scoring goals and winning the game and doing it for my team and showing up for somebody else. And when I went out there... I got the ball and I ran down the field, sauced up a girl, hit a shot, bam, in it goes. And I turned around to look at my dad like, there you go. And my dad was just looking at me like, see, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, got, exactly. You got this. Yeah. And I think that that kind of lesson, number one, grit. Like, yes, life is hard and you can do hard things and it's okay. Yeah. Number two, focus. I was so focused on only myself and only my pain. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was able to actually think about somebody else and something else and somebody else and some other function and purpose and where I was needed to show up yeah. that I could get past the pulsating heartbeat in my nose and the pain in my fingers. Yeah. And I think learning that has been also a critical lesson. The grit to do it okay. and the grit to not just do something for yourself, but be willing to do hard things for other people as well. And wow. just to get out of your own way sometimes and do hard things because it's the right thing to do in the moment. Yeah. Love that on your dad as well of teaching a lesson that a lot of parents aren't willing to teach anymore. You know, to have have and expect their children to do hard things, but to have, how can I say this the right way? To have their children expect hard things from themselves, right? So, so cool. Okay. Another thing that I was really interested in, and I think uh, so many of us are interested in learning more about how to, how to handle the anxiety and stress that we experience in this world. And there's more and more of it all the time. I know that you've been through a little anxiety journey yourself. And I thought it'd be really awesome if you could just share a little bit about that with us. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's such an important topic to talk about. And when I first experienced this, I was scared to talk about it. Yeah. I didn't want anybody to know because I was that athlete. I was I was <sighs> the athlete. I was the college player. I was a I was a corporate executive. I had my own company as well. I'm a mom. I've got kids. Right. I've got it all together, right? So I can't possibly be experiencing something that would take me down like this. Right. And I was embarrassed. 
Sure. I was overwhelmed. I was confused. And I had no idea what I was experiencing. Right. And what happened to me was I started feeling just little feelings of where my heart would constrict and it would race really fast. And I was like, what's happening to me? Am I having a heart attack? Like yeah. I'd been done playing soccer. I'd started having kids and it just, every once in a while I would feel this and I didn't know what it was Right. and not knowing what it was made it way worse. Everything's right. amplified because now I think, am I broken? Is something wrong with me? Do I, am I, am I having a heart attack? Do I have health problems? Yeah. But I, but I can't have something wrong because you know, that's not who I am. Yeah. No, I mean, I got it together. <laughs> I got it together. So I have to have it together, which, of course, then just makes not having together that much worse. Right. So I'm just amplifying the problem, adding it to adding it to adding it. Well, over time, this goes on for about nine months. Wow. And what ended up happening is I ended up in my closet, on the floor, immobile. I, it was like my body finally just took over and said, you're not going to deal with this. I'm going to make you deal with it. And I couldn't move. Yeah. I could not move my arms and my legs. And wow. my husband came <laughs> and he lifts me into bed. And of course, he's freaking out because he doesn't know what's happening. I'm freaking out because I don't know what's happening. He's like, what is going on? I said, I don't know. I can't move my arms and my legs. Yeah. He's like, what do you mean you can't move my body? I literally can't move them. And we're both <laughs> freaking out. And we've got our kids. And it's like, what just happened to me? Am I paralyzed? I don't know. I'm I, I'm confused. So he ends up, not knowing what to do in this situation, he takes me to the emergency room. Right. And now I feel even worse. Now I'm just, I just feel like an idiot. Now they're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. I can't move my arm and my legs. <laughs> right. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain this to what's going on. There's nothing wrong with me. I have nothing wrong with me, but I can't move my arms and my legs. Yeah. And what ended up happening is they did a series of tests and doing their things. And next thing you know, what happens is the social worker walks in the room right. and she's going to talk to me about whether I'm fit to have my kids at home with me right then because they've decided that I am either having some kind of nervous breakdown or some kind of psychiatric problem. Right. And it was like when she walked in the room and started asking me questions about being a mom to my children, it was like something inside of my head snapped in this Natty, you, you need to get it together right now. Yeah. Or this is going to lead to a major problem. And whatever happened, happened. And all of a sudden, everything was fine. I could move my arms and my legs. And I was like, okay, what the heck? What was that? Was that. And what it led me to was a deep dive study of emotions, anxieties, what's actually happening physiologically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, and the entire way of how we bring that together because it doesn't just affect one part of us. Right. And in my deep dive of that study, I ended up applying a lot of that into my coaching and the girls that I've coached and then had the opportunity about two years ago to dive in deeply with a nonprofit organization who'd been doing 14 years of research and development and study in this emotional space Mm. where anxiety was a piece of it, but just one piece of it. But really the concept was how do we actually just manage our emotions to begin with, understand them, Stop being afraid of them, start understanding them, start recognizing them, have some capacity to regulate them right? and function with them and stop treating them there like they are abusing us. When instead, mm. the vast majority of our emotions are there to protect us and are quite natural. Sure. But we go a little over the top. So my personal journey led me down this kind of life path that has blessed my life significantly. And much like most experiences in life... When we're capable of really looking for the purpose behind the pain, we find true joy. And that's what's happened with my journey with anxiety is learning it and understanding it has blessed my life. And it's allowed me to bless other people's lives. 
And then you fast forward and my own, my daughter has struggled with it. And so many people, I, I would say of all of the high school girls that I coach soccer to at least 50% of them. We're dealing with some kind of anxiety. There's some right? kind of anxiety and, and family members and next door neighbors and ward members and missionaries, pre-missionaries, during missionaries, post-missionaries, all the things. And we've talked about this. It almost feels like an epidemic, right? Right. And a lot of it, I just think, comes from a lack of understanding. So much of it comes from fear and a lack of understanding. And that's been my experience with anxiety. And it's just been, um, I, I have personally experienced it. And I hope that anybody out there that's experiencing it can just stop for a minute. Stop beating yourself up over it. Stop thinking you're broken and something's wrong with you. And stop freaking out because the freaking out about feeling it is actually making it way worse, yes. right? Which is what happened to me. And I ended up in a hospital before I could take a step back and realize okay, this yeah. is just what happened. You know, Natalie, that's exactly what happened with me. So to, it, our stories are very similar. And as soon as I was able to figure that anxiety out, my practice almost transitioned from marriage and family to all of a sudden all these people with anxiety started coming in. And I've just... I've seen that pattern over, pattern over and over. When we figure something out, it's like the Lord puts other people in our path that we can help. So I think that's so wonderful what you've done. So another thing I've heard you talk about is this idea of focus. And I'm, I'm just huge on this. I think I, I really have come to believe that life really boils down to what we choose to focus on. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. And, and you can even tie that into how that helped you with anxiety. Oh, absolutely. It, it's a major factor in every part of life, I think. But think about what you're thinking about when you're not focusing. Yeah. I like to call it everything and nothing at all. Mm. When, when do people start to spin and spiral? As I was like, oh my goodness, I, I forgot. I, I didn't wake up this morning because I didn't wake up this morning. I forgot to, I forgot to sign the permission slip and because I didn't sign that now I got to drive to school because I drive to school now I'm going to be late now and I'm late I didn't get in the shower and now I didn't do my hair and now I got to wear this all day long and then this happens and then I stub my toe and the whole world exploding (laughs) on me right and we we spiral down these places and then our our mind does the same thing right well what if this happens oh my gosh if that happens this happens and oh my gosh if that happens oh my gosh I just don't even know if I can deal with that and we take ourselves down this rabbit hole of what ifs and could be's and oh my goshes. Yeah. Until like we have, we are full of anxiety because we don't, we're, we're fearful. We're fearful of this unknown thing that hasn't actually happened. Right. But we've brought it to very real fruition mm-hmm. in our mind, right? Right. When we don't focus, that's what we're left to deal with. But focus has this beautiful ability to actually let us take a little bit of control. Yeah. That feels very out of control. It's fearful because we are not in control. We're not in control of our thoughts. We're not in control of what's happening in this painful reality we're building in our mind. We don't have any control over We've those things. We've lost all control. It, it's That's very right. scary. But when we shift and we take an element of focus back, something that we can control, which is just to focus our mind, focus our thoughts on something, it's dramatically impactful to experiencing peace and calm regardless of circumstance. Right. And one of the things I love to do is I choose my savior to focus on because he is the master of peace and calm. He's the one that when the storm is raging and no matter what's happening, no matter how much fear is going on on that boat, he's sound asleep. Yeah. He can sleep through that storm because he doesn't experience the fear. Where was the fear coming from? These were all fishermen. Right. They weren't afraid of water and wind and storms on the sea. Right. They were afraid of what their perceived future could be. 
They were afraid of dying or capsizing or whatever that fear was. They're freaking out. Savior wasn't afraid because he wasn't afraid of those things. Right. Well, now they go wake him up. And what does he do? He calms the storm. And if he is the ultimate master of calming the storm, what does it feel like when you feel anxiety? It feels like you are raging inside with your very own storm. So how, out of control, right? Out of nope, control, you've lost all control. And we're building this future that's very scary. So how do we rein it back in? We can focus on him who is the master calmer of the storm. Yeah. And so for me, I have three tools that I that I use that I th- work really, really well with most people. One is I've got a go-to song that I put on that every time, if I just turn it on, it just soothes the soul. It makes me think of my Savior. It makes me calm things down. It makes me focus in on the words of the song. And the second I can dial in on the words of the song and put his face in my head, that storm goes away. Okay, Natalie, everyone's going to want to know what the song is. So for me, it's actually, my nephew actually wrote an album. It's okay. a piano music. Okay. Um, and it's a Trevor, Trevor Henderson is his name, but he wrote, he, he can't read a lick of music, which cool. is fascinating. So he just sat down at a piano and brought multiple primary songs together into one. Wow. But there is one that is, um, there is one that is called My Heavenly Father Loves Me. And yeah. it's the primary song whenever I hear the song of a bird. Right. Or look at the blue, blue sky. Yeah. And I love this one because it's very visual. It I can hear the sound of a bird. I can see the blue, blue sky. I can yeah. feel the wind on my face. And I can feel the rain. And I can recognize the love of my Heavenly Father. And so re- listening to that and hearing those words in my own head, which allow me to then bring my Savior into sight and into view and the love of my Heavenly Father into my heart, it's the master calmer of the storm. Yeah. I also have a picture that's on my phone. That I literally pull up. Right. And it's it's a picture of the Savior with a ton of light behind him. Oh, I love that. And I and I bring that up and I just dial in and I focus on that. And I literally say, He is the master calmer of my storm. Mm-hmm. And just take myself to that place. So I change my focus. Because what I'm focusing on will change everything. And and the third, the third trick that I have, so I use music, I use pictures, and then I use nature and prayer. So yeah. if I'm indoor, I will get myself outdoor. Take some deep breaths and go for a two-minute walk and just pray while you're walking. Come back and regroup and just change your focus. Yeah, And it has to be done intentionally. Sure. Those, those are rabbit holes of thoughts and all that anxiety. <laughs> it's not because we're trying to do that. Right. It's very unintentional. But when we'll shift our focus very intentionally... It's quite amazing what we're capable of doing and the peace we're able to bring when we partner with him who is the master peace giver. Look unto him in every thought, right? Doubt not, fear not. Yeah. And I love that. I love that idea. I think it ties in one final thought to that, but it really ties into everything that that President Nelson was teaching as well at the last general conference where he talked about finding rest. Yes. It's not just finding rest among life. Like, when he said find rest among life, he didn't say you get to shorten your workday down by two hours and you get to get rid of one of the four children that you have so that you can be restful, right? <laughs> he didn't say that I'm going to stop all of life's anxieties. I'm going to make it that you don't feel things anymore. Right. That's not the point. Yeah. We find rest from the calm, from the storm that is raging inside of us emotionally. We find rest from the storm that rages around us physically when we can shift our focus and truly and entirely focus on him. Yeah. And he says, my burden is light. I love that. And I believe it. And I've, and I've studied what you're saying. And I, you know, one of my favorite books that was written by a, a former uh, dean of religion at BYU, 
uh, he told, he shared this experience of his own panic and anxiety and his wife's words to him to help him become comforted were focus on the Savior. Just focus on Christ right now. Anyway, good stuff. I love it. Could I share a story about focus? It's a little bit on the funny side, but it, it makes sense. Yeah, and it will it to. will tie people in, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm when I was in when I was in junior high, I was playing basketball, which is my sport of choice, and I had gotten braces on. Yeah. And the day that I got braces on, I had a basketball game, and I was the <laughs> itty bitty person on the court, right? So when yeah. you're out on the basketball floor and you're the itty bitty person, your job is to get all of the balls that the tall girls miss that go <laughs> straight down to the ground, which That's was right. my domain, right? You're scrapping. Yeah. I'm scrapping, but I'm on day one just got my braces on and for anybody who knows about braces you you tend to like lift your lips up there like it's very awkward to close them over the braces and you feel like they can't close over the braces so there's like this lift up and move over situation that happens with the brackets <laughs> so i get in this basketball game clearly my lips are up ball goes up for a a, a shot comes down through the tall goalers down to my domain i reach in grab the ball and i go to pull the ball out yeah and my lips are up, my brackets are out, and my brackets get stuck in the butt of the girl that I'm playing against. <laughs> like, full-on stuck. And if you've ever had brackets stuck in mesh, yeah, this is an ugly Does situation. It out, right? No, it's <laughs> not coming out. But I'm stuck, and I'm mortified, and I can, and I, my face is on her behind, and I'm just pulling, pulling, <laughs> pulling, and everybody sees me get the ball, so they all move away, and this girl's whacking my head, trying to get me off, and I'm stuck, and I finally, just as hard as I could, I just rip. Yeah. And you could hear her shorts rip. And I stood there, my little seventh grade self with this ball in my hand, looking around. Yeah. And the ref was sitting on the bleachers. He was laughing so hard he just sat down. <laughs> All of the girls were laying on the court, laughing <laughs> hilarious. I mean, if if cell phones were a thing back then, oh, I would be a meme to this day. Like be I would a viral, yeah. I would be a viral meme for the butt biter, right? <laughs> it was unbelievably embarrassing. I'm standing there, I look like a piranha. I got thread hanging down everywhere. <laughs> And I don't know what to do about it, but they just end the half because there's just no regrouping <laughs> after this. Like it, there was a minute and a half left. They just can't even regroup. Yeah. Oh, my God. So they send everybody in the locker room. I'm trying to figure out how to deal with this thread. My brilliant little seventh grade mind comes up with the idea. Just wrap it around one of the brackets like that'll <laughs> hold. And we come back out on the court and I start running. And of course, when you're running, you're breathing out of your mouth. Yeah. I'd breathe out of my mouth and the thread would... Yeah. blow out and it would just be waving in front <laughs> and everybody'd see this and they'd start laughing and and I was just like oh my gosh <laughs> like I I'm I'm done yeah. like I'm a 7th grader which is your socially defining time in life it's terrifyingly awkward it's a time everybody wishes we could just bump right over that 7th grade right. year anyway and now I'm short I got bad hair I got acne <laughs> I got great I got braces glasses yeah. And I'm a butt biter. Like, it, my life is you over. You have shorts hanging out of your mouth, right? Oh, it's right? terrifying, right? <laughs> but so we look at that, and in life we come up in these situations too, right? Where just whatever is going on in our life right now, that circumstance is unbearable. Yeah. And all we can see is the bad. All yeah. we can see is the nightmare unfolding in front of us. And we build that nightmare out in our mind until we're like, oh, there is no future ahead of us. I want to crawl in a hole and die, right? Like It's like there's no way out. <laughs> Well, I felt that way in my yeah. little seventh grade self. I absolutely felt like this was a defining moment in life. I blew it and that's it. Life is over as I've known it. But yeah. what happened is I started playing and I'm breathing. And these these girls, when you're playing basketball and you're trying to run and <laughs> laugh at the same time, you don't have a whole lot of energy. And I no. realized if every time I would run and breathe and the thread would blow, they would <laughs> laugh and they couldn't keep up with me. And it wasn't funny to me because yeah. I couldn't see it, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden I just dialed into a little bit of focus, a little bit. It. And I thought, 
I'm going to blow that thread and I'm going to blow right past her for laughing at me for it. And I'm going to go score. Yeah. And that's the only thought I had, which I did. And I blew that thread. She blew over and I shot to the hole and I <laughs> scored a layup. And I thought to myself, yeah, you laugh at me. And then I actually thought, I can do that every time. I could do that again. I yeah. can do it again and again and again because this isn't funny to me, but it is funny to her. And what happened is the second I shifted my focus and shifted my focus to I could score. I can use this thread. Right. I can't I can't go change the past. I can't go make it not happen. And I can't get rid of the thread. Right. And I can use the thread and I can <laughs> blow the thread and I can go straight to the hole. And I did. And we ended up winning that game. I ended up scoring and setting a school record for the most points scored by a seventh grader in a single game. Oh and it gosh. was so funny because the next day at school, when they announced the game, they announced that I had <laughs> over the you know, the intercom, they announced that I had set the school record and any all the kids that were there. They were like, "Oh man, so cool how you bit that girl's butt and then got the and then and then got the school record, right?" I, and I I have thought about that so frequently when I'm in times and situations in my life where the adversity feels unbearable, yeah. where the circumstance feels unmanageable, where it feels like a nightmare is absolutely playing out in my life and I have thought I have two choices. Yeah. I can the the thread can beat me. Or I can use the thread. And at the end of the day, it's what can we do? What can we just shift our focus, dial back into the great calmer of the storm? Yeah. And then from there, just take an action. Just one thing that you have any level of control over and act in that space. That's what I did. I, I did one thing I had control over in that moment, which led to the next thing, which led to the next thing, which led to a positive outcome. Yeah. And in those moments, if we'll just do that, if we'll empower ourselves with focus it's fascinating how that can both calm calm the inner storm that's raging help us manage and control those emotions and impact our outcomes as well and i know that you're being very humble because i if i remember right it was 34 points and <laughs> in in seventh grade and to score that many points in the second half. That's the like, average score of a seventh grade girls basketball game is like 10 to 7. Like yeah, we, yeah. It ends there. It's at like the a soccer, the yes. soccer score, right? Oh, that's so cool. It's really fun. Thank you so much, Natalyn, for being our guest today. This was incredible. And I loved your stories. And uh, wow, humor, but laced with incredible life lessons. Everything from grit to perseverance. Love this stuff. And so for all of you that are listening today, I would just invite you, we would invite you to find something in your own life. You know, look at some of your own grit stories and perseverance stories and maybe even funny stories that you can share with your family to be passed on down to the generation. So, Natalie, once again, thank you so much and look forward to being with you again really soon for what we'll call part two of this podcast. <laughs>